You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you from the Broadway Podcast Network studios. And I got to tell you, this is up there for most excited I've been to come into the studio. I'll tell you why. Uh, Before we begin, big shout out to Lori Wheat over at Her Story Branding for helping us put this episode together. She's awesome. Uh, And we've got a full house as far as the Break a Bat team goes. Uh, Joining me in the batter's box tonight is my awesome producer, Mr. Alan Seals. Uh, <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> I was like, I was in the middle of typing something, and I was thinking, Kate, Kate's losing it. <laughs> I was, th- I was, I was, <laughs> I was thinking in my mind. Batter, you said batter's box, and brought me back, and I was like, no batting <laughs> number eleven, Alice, and then all it came out was just. <laughs> Un- noise, unintelligible noise. <laughs> <laughs> this is going well so far. All right. <laughs> well, Alan, I hope you brought. I hope you like the fact that I brought you a little baseball to play with. Just don't throw it at me when I try to test your baseball knowledge later. All right. I got. Thank you. Thank and you. Th- nice to be here. It's good to have you. And we've also got someone else in the house making his on-air debut with Break a Bat. A lot of the bat heads might know him from our Instagram, uh, Chapman on Broadway, social media manager, and my chief creative consultant, Mr. Chris Katzman. How's it going, folks? Good to have you here, buddy. Thanks, Al. I'm really excited to be here. You made it to the right show, because if that's not enough to get you stoked for this one, allow me to introduce our cleanup hitter and very special guest tonight, uh, with credits to her name that include Legally Blonde, Rock of Ages, and Bring It On. Tonight's special guest has been hitting for some major power on Broadway going back over a decade. Uh, She's currently batting right in the heart of the Mean Girls lineup eight times a week. Killing it is Karen Smith in front of packed stadium houses, a drama desk, and Helen Hayes Award nominee. She's easily one of the funniest girls on Broadway, and a big-time all-star who we're very happy to have join us, now batting, Kate Rockwell. Yeah, ooh. Is that the crowd sounds? Yeah, kind crowd of. sounds like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to make my noise. I, well, I actually <laughs> thought about it, and then I got nervous, because I was like, I don't think I could do anything like what that was. And so then I went crowd sounds. <laughs> Which is why I was a little tentative in the beginning, because I could have just led with crowd sounds, and I would have been really confident. But instead, I panicked. I hate to break it to you, Kate. I mean, you've been in New York a long time. The crowd sound that that took me to is like a fly ball dying at the warning track. So (laughs) You just said nine words. I don't know what they mean. So great. (laughs) Well, Kate's been busy. She's now officially a homeowner in New York City. Very, very exciting stuff. Yes. And you know what's funny? This is probably, maybe the second time, Angie Shore was the other one, where this isn't the first time that you and I have met. Mm -hmm. As far as, you know, as far as guests go coming to the studio, I don't know, remember Broadway Con? Mm -hmm. I sure do. Yeah, so I was the person who brought the very first baseball to Kate. I've ever signed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm probably the last. Probably the last. You think so? <laughs> Al, I feel like you're probably that guy for a lot of people. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a. It's probably a good thing. It's like it's what stands out. Well, it's that's okay what you're about, it. right? That's what the show's about. So yeah. But like, truly, that is it's a very memorable moment having somebody ask a Broadway performer to sign a baseball. When you're like, absolutely, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yes. I, I these don't relate in my brain, but absolutely. Well, you know what it is. It's all about fantastic performance. And speaking about performance. Um, you're actually someone who's pretty influential in the baseball and Broadway crossover world because I guess it was, what, 2013? Uh, yeah, 13. Yeah. You were in Rock of Ages. I was. Tell me about something that happened in Rock of Ages going back to 2013. Uh, well, I had just joined the company. It was really early in 2013, um, like January, February time. So, um, And I had just come into the company, and Rock of Ages had a really um, – kind of a unique corner of the Broadway market in the sense that it was a, we, we <laughs> I can't, I shouldn't say this out loud because I get yelled at by the wonderful people who wrote it. But like, we were like the redheaded stepchild of Broadway where like, we got like kind of crapped on by the reviews. We, I, I was not a part of the original company. So I, I say we as a large family of Rock of Ages people. Um, but like the reviews were like, this is silly. And like, kind of, we were, people in the theatrical community were like, oh, jukebox musical. But like, that was such an amazing show, and the people who would come out to see it were rabid fans. And it became one of the longest-running Broadway shows of all time. But it had this kind of niche audience base that were not necessarily Broadway people, people who go to a lot of Broadway shows, people who, like, really love Carousel and, you know, Kiss Me Kate, stuff like that. Um, and we did a lot of sports crossover with Rock of Ages, we had a lot of people come to see the show. And in my first couple of weeks that I was there, I was still doing that the blog. And so it was literally within my first month. Um, Mark Teixeira came to see the show. <laughs> and, um, that was, and I'm not a big sports person. It's just not where my, my skills lie. Um, but I know who he is. And my husband is a huge fan. And so I ran out. This was on a two-show day. Um, and I ran out to one of those silly little like New York souvenir stores and I bought a Yankees baseball and was like, can you sign this for me for my husband? <laughs> and I literally was like, I can't believe that this is happening. It's like week one of Rock of Ages and I'm like meeting these, this monster celebrity. It was such a big deal to me. So, and he was, he was lovely. He did sign it. He, now my husband has it on his little shelf. <laughs> now what's really cool about that is I remember like Yankees magazine did a feature on that. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I took away from that was how cool he thought it was to get to hang out with you guys. Whereas, you know, quite often it seems like the athletes and, you know, the arts have to live in such separate worlds. And I think that in a lot of ways, it was it was super cool to see. I wish I would have been at the actual show, but yeah, he seemed pretty stoked to be so there too. He was so lovely. I mean, so friendly. And that was the thing. He was so um, available. So we've, we had other people come in later in my time there um, that were always lovely. Nobody was ever unkind, but he made himself available to every single person in that building, all cast, the crew. I mean, he was sitting backstage. At one point, I have a memory of him sitting backstage with some of our um, our stage crew, just like shooting shit and like hanging out with the guy at the lighting table. Like that's that was unusual. That And then later on, that kind of highlighted just how unique it was to have him there and how kind and open he was for all, to all of us. As opposed to like, oh, I got to go do this thing. Like, it's going to be... Good. I don't. What good? He didn't need any press. I don't know why he was doing it, other than he wanted to. But it was like, oh yeah, I'll just go do this thing and whatever. My manager says I have to go do it. But he was so not that way. He was so open, so friendly, and like really genuinely excited to like be on a Broadway stage, which was very cool. 
Now, you get a lot of stars and famous people that come to Mean Girls. You know, generally speaking, are they as down to earth as that? Because you've probably seen a lot now. You've been in the business over 10 years. Yeah, I think I think that it's 50-50, honestly. Um, I think that a lot, I've, we've gotten to meet some like kind of unbelievable celebrities from the entertainment community, obviously, doing Mean Girls because I have very cool bosses who have very cool friends. And so, you know, when Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph and... Melissa McCarthy come backstage. Carol Burnett came backstage. Like some like amazing entertainers. But we have had we've had a lot of pop musicians come back. We've had a couple of um, Mark Sanchez came recently, and so I got to meet him. We've had drag queens come backstage. We've had it, it's all over the board. So um, I mean, Tiger Woods was there not too long ago. Actually, he came backstage. Um, trying to think of non actors that have come. It's been it's it's been a very very cool opportunity to meet some people that you're like, why would our paths ever cross ever? Like me and Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know in the grand scheme of things, that is pretty funny. You're yeah. like, why are we in the same building? How would we <laughs> ever get in the same building? <laughs> Your portrayal of Karen has been so universally uh, applauded. What have been, you know, what, what you're almost two years into the show now? Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. almost two years on Broadway, yeah. In Feb we started February of 2018. So this coming February will be two years on Broadway. Now, people can't miss you because you're literally on the marquee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so is there like any extra pressure to continue to like, you know, always put on a great show? Obviously, you're a, su you're a super professional, but. I, I, yeah, there's definitely pressure, I think. And at this point, I, my Erica, who plays Katie, um, she's like, we call her like the half plastic because she's not really plastic. She's actually a decent human being. Um, but I'm the only original plastic left. And so I do feel when you look at that, now we've started switching over the posters. So now you have some with um, Renee and Christina and I, which is great. Um, but some of them are still the original three and I'm the only one there still. Ashley's gone and Taylor's gone. They've moved on to other things. And so I think for one, some of the pressure is to make sure that you kind of live up to the hype of it, I guess, yeah. <laughs> of being on that poster. But, um, you know, you, I always want everybody to have the same experience that they had when we first started. I don't ever want anybody to come two years in and be like, oh my God, this show is tired. So I feel that pressure as being somebody who has been there that whole time. I'm always thinking, make sure that you're not sitting back, make sure that you're not relaxing, make sure that you're really up on your game because these people deserve the show to be just as good as it was when we started. And and I don't know if everybody feels that pressure. I, I shouldn't say that they do, but I know a lot of us that have been with it from the beginning, we have such a passion for the show and we we care so much about it that there is a very big um, personal responsibility to make sure the show never never lags or never never settles. Because, I mean, everybody, every audience we get, especially a show like ours that is designed for a younger audience and, and even maybe an audience that doesn't come to a lot of Broadway because of the, the film connection, it's a lot of people's first Broadway show ever. And I want to make sure they have a good time as much as I can. I want to make sure I give them a good product. It's like Joe DiMaggio once said, there's always someone in the crowd who might be seeing me for the first time. Absolutely. We talk uh, about that all the time. I was about to say, actually, lots of baseball players have reflected similar sentiments about doing it for the, for the fans, basically. You know, Absolutely. just and having them drive uh, their success, basically. I have to imagine, not ever, ever, and I mean ever, having played a sport <laughs> well, <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to believe that it, to them, it's the similar thing that it is to us, which is like my... I am an actor not just because I love to act, but because I love to entertain. And I love the gift of entertainment. And I love to help people 
kind of leave their own lives for a little couple of hours and go live in this, whatever the fantasy world is that we're creating. Um, I mean, Mean Girls is based in reality, but still somebody else's life, right? You get to live somebody else's life for two and a half hours. I have to believe that professional athletes feel similarly because yes, there is a selfish quality to it, which is I love playing baseball and I make a lot of money doing this, which is great. I don't have that. Theater actors don't have that. But um, but like if you you know, I get paid to do something I love. But the other piece of it is I want to give this thing to the people that have come to watch me do what I love. And that's really, really important for me. And I, I have to hope and believe that there are athletes that feel the same way. The fans drive the reason that game exists. And so you have to consider them and you have to respect them and hopefully give them a good a good time. Although in there, I guess you have to win for that. That's harder. <laughs> that's a big part of it. Yeah. You could also throw fastballs really fast and hype the crowd. And they like that a lot too. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think Al actually uh, was at the game when um, the record for fastest fastball was set by Araldis Chapman, the Yankees uh, really? closer. Yeah. And uh, that's his jersey over there. He didn't sign it, but. That yeah, he's the Yankees All Star closer who no, actually. But Angie Schwer and Haley Pachoon and. Hey, uh, Angie Schwer, Haley Pachoon, Courtney Wolfson, but his brother primarily wore that. I haven't really been getting it signed lately, but uh, yeah, Araldis Chapman, Yankee All Star closer, who believe it or not, our fan base. He listen, he's extra theatrical, but he the, is the break of that fan base has been likening him. To Regina George because he's such a diva. Oh no. It's kind of cool. I what, what, that's not the reaction I wanted. <laughs> well, no, because Regina George has a lot to learn about being a decent human being. So <laughs> well, one and could I argue say that as somebody who follows her around all day, not the actress, the character. <laughs> I, I think it's more of the um the diva aspect. You know, it, sure. I, I, I wouldn't say we're commenting too uh, much on his character there, but uh, definitely, uh, some of our fans have appreciated seeing um, some of the posts we've put together with uh, Araldis charging out onto the mound with the burn book. Oh my um, god! So, did, did yeah. you see this? No, oh, I haven't no. seen it. <laughs> yeah, they really enjoy that. Uh, that's you know, kind of part of what we do is poke a little bit of fun, and um, but also try try to merge. Oh my god, ba- I love baseball it. and Broadway together. Um, and yeah, the fans really love that. That's one. amazing. Yeah, yeah, they like to see the two of them together. Now, okay, you're you're a super bright girl. First of all, it's a brilliant performance, so don't take this the wrong way. How do you dumb yourself down to play Karen Smith? Oh my gosh, I don't take that the wrong way at all. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I I think that sometimes, I, and I I have played a lot of roles on Broadway, but lots of them are not particularly bright. So I think maybe Sherry sure, was a little niche. naive too. Sherry's not think the of smartest. It. Neither is Margot in Legally Blonde, um, and neither was Skylar either. And and bring it on. None of them are are valedictorians. Um, and I think that the thing that I, anytime I go into them, but at Karen, especially because Karen is the most extreme, um, is it's just, it's not about what they don't have. It's about what they do have. Right. It's, that's what everybody's, nobody thinks like, Oh, I'm dumb. What they think is I'm pretty. I'm not like I, that's, so she's pretty. Karen is very, hmm. that is what Karen is good at. She's very pretty and that's all she needs to be. So why would she think about anything else? So you don't think about anything else. It's literally meditation. You just go out on stage. And I I mean, obviously there's a lot of prep that goes into it and a lot of make sure you don't ever go up on your lines. But the goal is to think about literally nothing the whole time and just react when you're supposed to react. And that keeps it genuine. That's what makes it real as opposed to like a, a more, you know, one-dimensional dumb blonde character. She's not, I mean, she doesn't think about the fact that she's dumb. There's a, literally a line in there that's like, I don't care. Like, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not that smart. 
That's it. <laughs> to me, this sounds like you're out there. You're getting in the zone. A lot I of am time, in the zone. A lot yes. of times in baseball, we have a phrase: uh, you're locked in. You know, you're just totally in the flow, and um, it's kind of when uh, players give their best performances. One hundred percent. I would say that is exactly what I'm attempting awesome. to do. At Very night. cool. Yeah. There's literally. I mean, I literally go downstairs. It's like we. So the show starts. Um, and there's a, a little bit of, there's two numbers really that happen before we join. I hope that's not giving anything away, but if you haven't seen it, there are two songs that we're not in, um, <laughs> before, before we arrive. But, um, I go downstairs early before the other girls do because it, I have to go away from my life, like my dressing room and my phone and my list of things I had to get done through the day and my, you know, like all that stuff. I have to get away from that and really be able to focus to be able to do it because it is, I mean, my brain goes a mile a minute. As you can see, I can't talk fast enough to keep up with myself, but, um, and Karen can't be that way. And if I, I found that if I went straight from being Kate to being Karen, that it I wasn't very, it wasn't very good. Hmm. <laughs> so I have to go down early and like take my time and prep and stare at a wall for a second and kind of zone out. And that is, that I, that's the same, right? That's what. Yeah, it's like a pregame routine. Exactly. Lot, you know. Do you have any superstitions, by the way, before shows? Um, superstitions. Or or just yeah. things you always do. Um, I don't really. I, I I the only thing I can think that I have to do before a show is I wish I pass my dressers on the way down the stairs and I wish them a happy musical, and. The, and the other one is that everything before before I walk on stage, it's all morning because I walk on stage and my job starts, right? And people start work in the morning, everyone except us. And so I just wish everyone good morning, even though it's 7 o'clock at night. Oh, wow. That's a that's a rule. Just like say that. good morning to cool. people when I walk wow. by. But because it's like, oh, we're starting our work day now. So, so. you're this is like pre-morning for you right now then. Yeah, Pretty I'm still much. sleeping. You're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people work out in the morning. I come talk to you guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's, such a, it's such a weird life. Our our lives are so strange because we do. We start work at night, right? But we also don't. I mean, some people do sleep. But I get up at nine, which is not super late when you work till midnight. And like, so I've had a full day and then you go to start your work day. It's the weirdest. It's just the opposite of, of other people's lives, normal lives. How, uh, how, how spent do you feel at the end of a show when you've really been in character for that long? Um, it depends, honestly, because... The show is so fast, um, not not timeline-wise, but I mean the energy, the pacing of it is exhausting. And what I found is that if I get on board and I – and I've been doing it. We've done the show. We just had our 700th show on Broadway from opening night till now. So we've actually done it probably another 100 shows more than that between our out-of-town in D.C. and the preview process. So I bet we're somewhere in the vicinity of 800 performances at this point. Um and so I've learned a little bit about that, which is if you come in and you are rested and you've had your evening coffee, which is what I have to do, um, I actually find at the end of the show, I feel really jazzed because if I do it right, if I come in at the right energy and I do it right and I really like focus, it's truly like clearing your brain for two and a half hours and it's very engaging and it's very like the, the energy is just with you the whole time. So when yeah. you're finished, you're like, oh, great. If I come in a little under the weather, tired, sick, um, if life is just a little too real and it's hard to put aside, which of course, like it's a job, that's something that you deal with when you do Broadway stuff. And um, then, and I don't get on that train right from the beginning, it's a, it's a struggle. Um, and it, I, you always feel like you're literally like chasing behind the train car, like attached to it with one arm, but like you can't get your other arm on there to get on top of it. <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, that is pretty draining. And by the end of that, I'm like, I need to go to bed right now. Can I just sleep at the theater? 
because getting home sounds gotcha. exhausting. Now, you're doing a show with a pretty big existing fan base just from the franchise itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did the jokes always land on people who are expecting to see kind of like a carbon copy of the movie or expecting to see something different? How does that work? Um, we've I would say it's different based on the age of the audience, actually, um, which is kind of a fascinating, cool thing because – in comedy, in musical comedy, in my experience, before Mean Girls, you sort of know what's going to hit and what's not going to hit overall. And that's just like a general rule. And obviously some audiences are quieter than others, but in general, you know where the laughs are going to come. In Mean Girls, they it, that's not true. On the, the days we have younger audiences, they laugh at different things because, and this is my interpretation of why I think that is. <laughs> so all you young people out there, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I think that it's less, some things are less funny to them because they haven't lived through it yet. So they're watching, if you're in high school or not, are not in high school yet, there are, there are references that are in Mean Girls, it's in the film too, but in, in our show that are about like kind of the cruelty of high school. And that's not funny if you haven't survived it. That's just real. Whereas for somebody like my age who has survived it, you're like, oh my God, I know, wasn't it so terrible? And so they laugh at different stuff. It's really, mm. really interesting um, sometimes like the sight gags are better for younger kids than it is for older adults. Like, it's just fascinating to see. So on a matinee, when we tend to have more kids in the house, we have a very different show in terms of what sort of response we get than we do on a Friday night at, you know, like tonight's show when I go in is, is an eight o'clock curtain on a Friday evening. And that's going to be mostly adults because that's who's out on a Friday night. You know, that's, that's who's buying the tickets. So it's going to be a totally different show than it will be tomorrow afternoon in the matinee. One of the hardest I've ever laughed during a vocal performance on Broadway, Sexy Rosa Parks. It, <laughs> what a line. You, did you ever have to like stop yourself from laughing while you're singing that shit? Um, in the so. beginning when we first started, I was like, I cannot believe I'm about to say this in front of people. Because <laughs> oh it's like, is this okay? I, I think it's okay. <laughs> Um, but it, no, it's such, it's so brilliant. I mean, N- Nell Benjamin, who does the lyrics, she's a comic genius. I mean, she and Tina Fey's writing is so, they blend so beautifully together, um, the book and the lyrics, because they're both just, they, they really understand writing that line between like, this is absurdly funny and like, this is <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> for different reasons. But that's what it makes brilliant comedy. And it's, it's, that's one of the lines. There's a couple in there that I think are like, oh my God, I can't believe we're doing this. There's another one that, Gray has some really good ones yeah. um, that he does in Where Do You Belong too that are like, that is what you just said in front of all those people. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was so floored by your performance that I thought that this show here tonight would be a good opportunity for you to, because we appreciate great performance, whether it be on the baseball field or on the Broadway stage, uh, for you to win a little something. And we thought that we could do so in the variety. Oh, of, am I going to have to know about baseball? I don't know any stats. Well, <laughs> there will, uh, no, there's, is there, is, are there any stats? I'll guess. Technically, yes. <laughs> well, <here>. but, but, <laughs> we're not, but they're in the question. Okay. They're in so, the question. And oh, if, I'm you, if you get enough of them right, you win the prize. Now, Alan, <laughs> I'm going to give you, I'm for once, I'm going to give you an option tonight for fastball derby, oh, oh, for a uh, seventh inning stretch. Yay. All right. So you can either, you could be a lifeline like you usually love to do for all the baseball questions. Yes. Or you could actually ask some of the questions alongside us. All right. I, 
let me ask some questions. I like it. His okay. name's on the script, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you spoiled it. I thought, that, I thought that was a genuine reaction, and then he just spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just ask him questions. Uh, it's in the damn script, Alan. <laughs> All right, Kate. Oh, God, okay. Yeah, I promise so you nervous. this. All the Broadway questions are about shows you've been in. Great. But not necessarily your characters. That's just okay. Just keep it interesting. Okay. Now, Watch me get them all wrong. <laughs> Be like, wow. <laughs> well, the, the key thing is just to get enough right to win the prize. Okay. You're part of a great lineage of Broadway actresses that have taken on the role of Sherry in Rock of Ages. Which of the following actresses is not in that lineage? Okay. Carrie Butler, Ashley Spencer, Katie Rose Clark, and Becca Tobin. Katie Rose Clark. That is correct. Ding, 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 ding. I, I'll be my own award bell. <laughs> By all means. <laughs> I'll also be my own um, wrong answer buzzer too. So yeah. <laughs> I provide my own sound effects. Now the crowd, the crowd is going really, really crazy for me right now. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, last snaps. <laughs> Snap. Okay. Yeah, you're up. Yeah. Question number two is a baseball question. All Great. right. So uh, do do your best. Okay. All right. Um, my husband's going to be so embarrassed. So <laughs> here's the question. How many games did Araldus Chapman save in one day this past season to tie the major league record? How many games did Araldus Chapman save in one day to tie the major league record? What is a save? It's a good question. <laughs> uh, it's basically when you close out, uh, you're a pitcher and you close out a close game. Okay. If, if the game is decided by three runs wins. or less. Yep. Yeah. Three okay. runs or less. Okay, got it. So, so it's very... Uh, Tense and dramatic situation. Okay. Um. <laughs> so think about individual games. Right. And think about think you know in one day, um, how many would Chapman have saved? I mean, my my instinct is one. <laughs> <laughs> to tie the major league record of one. <laughs> oh, the major league record! I missed yeah. that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. probably not right. Answer. There you go. The the correct answer was two. By God. the way. Oh come so on! So you were really? close. Aww. You're really close. You're only off by one. God. I was really close, though, you guys. It was so cool. When oh, he save did that. in one day. Yeah. Okay. Because they did a okay. double header. Yeah. 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 Well, literally, it yep. was like there was either one game or there were two games. And so I just went with one. <laughs> I, I think he was only the second to ever do that. Is that right, Al? Second Yankee to ever do that. Second Yankee. Okay. So others have done it, I guess. But uh, yeah, that is the major league record. And uh, sorry, Kate, you did not get that question that's right. Okay. So we'll move that's on okay. to the next one. And yep. I think that's on to Alan. Yes, because this is completely spontaneous. What's the name of the Swedish-made nutrition bar intended for weight gain that Katie gives Regina in Mean Girls? Caltine. There used to be a song. There was a Caltine bar song for a while. It's gone now. But oh, it got cut? Caltine, net at Gorafet, Caltine. And somebody would just, because that was like the ad, like the Caltine ads, would, like somebody would like pop out on stage and like do that little thing like three times in the show. Wow, you are breaking news here. This, we didn't know this. <laughs> Demarius Copes will love that. He was he does the Caltean man. And so he would come out and do his little Caltean commercial and throw a Caltean bar in the air and spin and then go away. It was very funny and random, but it's wow. But I know I'm right. So yes, you, that is correct. <laughs> ding ding ding. Okay, well, we're not gonna let you get away without another baseball question okay. here. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm gonna come back with one here. Um uh, we actually, I'll give you a, a quick hint here. We may have discussed this already during the show. Okay. So hopefully you have a good memory. Who holds the record for fastest fastball in Major League history? Say it for the audience. I don't remember his first name. Well, Is that you, okay? You've, you're close. I mean, okay. I will accept that. She's pointing. Chapman. Yes. You're pointing at the jersey. <laughs> I'm pointing at the jersey. Yes. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yes. That, I, that yes. I do remember. Yep. 
You should ju- just point and we'll all nod. And it'll be the, it'll be the best podcast. Yeah, by the way, his first name is Araldus. Araldus. Araldus Chapman, yeah. Okay. He's also known as the apex predator now in the Broadway and the community. community. And, he lo- and, and he loves his burn book. Yes, he does. <laughs> that's true. He looks great in uh, Defying Gravity. That was one of my oh, favorites. That's oh, a good one. That oh, I saw good. that. That's when I saw. Okay, now I get it. I get. I saw that on the Instagram. Oh, the I was uh, like, Defy I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> Chapman in green face paint and a dress. Yes, yes that's pretty standard for what we do. <laughs> a costume. A costume. All right, I'll take this one. According to Regina George, Aaron Samuels only cares about what? Oh, he only cares about. Um, his, what is it? His mom and his friends and his, shit. He, he only cares about, is it school? It's like something like that. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Yeah, it's like school and his mom yeah, and his friends. Yeah, that was all three. There you go. <laughs> I Excellent. haven't watched that movie in a long time and I'm proud of myself for coming up with that because that's not in our show. That's just the movie. That I don't even, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know it wasn't in the show. But it was yeah. a very funny delivery in the movie. Oh my God, she's genius. I mean, all of them are. Yeah. When once we got when I when I started working on this show, um, I had to stop watching the movie because they're not the same, but they have similar. They have moments that are similar. Yeah. And it was like, uh, oh no 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 no! I got to put that away. I can't look at that because I got to learn this version, and I don't want to copy that stuff. I want to do our version. And so I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. Like, now it's been almost three years. Wow. All right, I got one more question for you. Who won the 2019 American League Reliever of the Year award? Who could it be? <laughs> <laughs> She's pointing again. Say it. There we go. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go with Chapman again because it's literally the only name I can ding, come ding, up with ding. right now. Am I right? <laughs> you got you it. You guys set up a really good game. <laughs> <laughs> and you're about to get uh, props, Kate. You're about to get a really great prize here. You are joining a very rich lineage of break a guests who... We kind of save them for some of our, you know, favorite guests, Al Jardine to the Beach Boys and Ashley Williams. We are going to present you with the official prize. Oh my gosh. Let me grab it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm I'm excited too. We can discuss sizes later. Okay. But well now. <laughs> now Alan Seals has one of these shirts as well. So you're even better <laughs> oh, company. Size of shirts. Yeah, what did yeah. you think I was talking? Th- Jesus, this is a kid's show. No. <laughs> Uh, Kate, this is your official Chapman on Broadway yes! long sleeve T-shirt. We've got a logo on the back as well. But oh my god, look at that! Wear it proudly. Baseball meets Broadway. Oh, it's literally the breaking of the bat underneath the masks. Right, you guys. Yep. This is a really good shirt. You want one of these? Yeah, this is a, this is a cool shirt. I, I love say. this. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. We have three sizes available. So if we didn't give you the right one just now, we'll make sure that we. Get to it after. Okay, I'll, t- I'll take it up to production afterwards. We'll, we'll work it out. Alan, <laughs> stop looking at me funny when I say sizes. <laughs> size matters. His eyebrows are going, you guys. They are going. If you want a tight fit, size matters. <laughs> I love it. You're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drink myself in water. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. You've been in New York for a long time now. Do you ever miss Ohio? Hmm, that's a good question. God, nobody ever asked me if I miss Ohio. I think most people just assume I don't, which, it, depending on where in Ohio you've gone, is a fair assumption. Um, you know what? Sometimes I do, actually. I miss um, clean air <laughs> and, like, grass. I miss being able to, like, be outside. That's, like, the hardest thing about New York is outside is hard to come by. It exists. You have to, like, go to the extreme places or, like, go to Central Park or go 
um, or be very, very wealthy and have your own private outside, which I do not have because I am not that. But um, I, I have a lot of very like nostalgic memories of like our backyard as kids. And we just grew up in a very normal suburb, you know, nothing crazy about any of it, but we had a really pretty little backyard and I miss that. Like I miss being able to see stars at night because you just can't see them here. It's just too bright. Um, that might be most of it. Um, my dad is still in Ohio, so I do still go and, and get to, he's not in the house we grew up in, but, um, and I still have some friends that are back there that I see periodically, but that's, Ohio is a very different life. <laughs> the, the way you described it, though, isn't exactly how they depicted it on Glee. Where, like, did no. you watch Glee? Uh, not all of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth watching after the first four seasons. I, didn't know I saw, I saw a couple episodes. You, you can see Allie, Allie Stroker. Yes, she, she was in season four. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was she in season four? Oh, That's okay, the last okay, good okay. season. The last yeah. one with Corey Monty. How many like did they make? Six. Oh. They should have stopped at four. Oh. After four. But um, so New York feels like home at this point. Oh yeah, big time. I I, I don't know how anybody lives. I've so I've been here now, uh, coming up on fourteen years, and I don't know how people live here and then like go live anywhere else. That's confusing to me because if you come here and you hate it, that makes sense to me because it's just not for everybody. It's a really hard place to live. But once you've been here long enough that like this is normal, how do you go live anywhere else? How do you deal with like actual quiet? Like, what is that like <laughs> to like be somewhere where there aren't other people all the time? That's like, um, I don't know. It just makes me feel lonely. I don't know. <laughs> and my like whole perspective of it has been so skewed by New York. And, and I, I mean, I love the energy of the city. I love the mania and the sort of constant extreme. Um, cause it is, it's a really hard place to live. And some days are really, really hard. And so I always say like, Oh, New York won today. Like it's yeah. like a, a constant battle of like, who's going to win me or New York. But I also love that. I love that there, nothing is the same. No two days are ever the same in New York city. They cannot be because you have to deal with so many variables just to like, go get a cup of coffee. And that's neat that, you know, I'll never be bored. I will never be, I mean, you can be very, you can be very alone and or not alone and still feel lonely, but like you're also just never lonely. If you want to be, you don't ever have to be lonely. You can always find people who want to talk to you. You can always find something to do. You can always find somewhere to go. It's just the, it's such a um, great equalizer in that way that there's just so much to do all the time of any kind. Let me ask you a question. I just want to touch on this quickly. When you, when you took a brief hiatus from acting to pursue a degree in wine, <laughs> Yes. Was that was that because sure. the, was the theater lifestyle overwhelming? Tell us the story behind that. Yeah, I think um, it was a couple of a couple of things. Um, the I had at that point been doing I had done um, two and a half straight years of the show Bring It On that I had been working on. We did it from the ground up, and we went out of town, and we had done a national tour, and then we had done a Broadway run, and then I had three days off. Over those three days, I got engaged, and then I started rehearsals for Rock of Ages which I did for almost almost a year and a half straight. Um, and so I had been very, both of those shows are very athletic. It's extremely high energy, similar to Mean Girls in that way. Like it's not like a, you don't get to sit and, sta and stand and sing. You have to be like running in high heels, also singing all the time, um, catching people flying out of the air, all that kind of stuff. And I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> I was very, very tired. And I was, I was, I was dealing with a lot of kind of long-term injuries that come with 
repetitive action, not necessarily like broken foot injury, but like just wear and tear that comes from doing stuff every single day, the exact same way on the exact same side of your body. It's, it's a weird life that we live. Um, and I was tired and I just, I had come here, you know, 10 years prior at about that time. And I had been very, very lucky that I had worked pretty consistently as an actor. I had had waitering jobs and babysitting jobs, but like I had most of the time sustained myself as an actor for the, for those nine years. And I, that was all I knew. And I was starting to find myself, I, I call them the golden handcuffs. Um, I'm not, I didn't create that expression, but it's something that really resonated with me where you're like, oh my God, I don't want to go to my Broadway show right now. I'm so tired. I just want to eat dinner at seven o'clock at night, like a normal person. Like that, that dialogue, um, is incredibly toxic because it's, it means you don't love what you do anymore. And if you don't love what you do in this business, you should go away because it's just, it's too hard. You miss everything. You literally miss everything. And there are so many people that would kill for the opportunity and those buildings, those, those theaters, the show, the community, everything needs you to love it. That doesn't mean you have to come in, you know, spewing rainbows and sunshine every day, but it does mean that you have to want to be there. 90% of the time you have to want to be there. You're, you're fine. 10% fine. Um, but I wasn't there. I wasn't doing it because I wanted to. I was doing it because it was what I knew and I was doing it because it was what was working and what was safe and what had been happening for me. So why would I do anything else? And I got to a place where I was like, you know what? It's time to, to stop doing that. Nobody wants that like negative Nancy in the building nobody wants to hear about like how miserable you are doing your Broadway show. And I didn't want, I had always told myself if I ever found myself in that position, I wouldn't, I would go away. And I did, I found myself there and I was time for me to leave rock of ages. Um, and I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to be able to eat at my wedding and my honeymoon, which is why I love rock of ages <laughs> because those costumes were so small. Um, so I left and I went and got married. And when we came back from our honeymoon, um, I was working on a, a lab, a developmental process of, an, of another new show, and I just found myself so unhappy to be there. And I was like, this is awful. Somebody else will be good at – no, everybody's talented here, right? It's not like I'm any better than anybody else. So, like, go away. Get out of the way. Let somebody who wants to be here do it and go do something else and get some perspective. And I fell into the wine industry. Um, I got – I met a, through a friend, somebody who was running a wine shop on the Lower East Side. And I love wine. Wine is a hobby of mine, always has been, um, because it's also very artistic, actually. We could go on and on about that if we wanted. But um, And he offered me a part-time job, like, working the register. <laughs> like, literally just – I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing anything. Friday and Saturday nights, come in, like, work the register, stock shelves. And I fell in love with it. And so I went to, it's a little bit like an associate's degree. It's not really like a, I don't have a master's degree or anything. I have um, a certification from the Wine and Spirits Education Trust is what it's called. It's like an international school of, of wine and spirits training. But um, I went and I did get my training in that. And I actually ended up working full-time for them for a little while. Um, I was the um, assistant manager of the shop that, down there for about eight months. Um, I worked there for just close to two years, actually, um, full-time for, for just about nine months. And then I started to feel that need to like go, I missed it. I missed performing. And, um, the one thing I had said that no matter what, if like a play came up, cause I'd never done a play. I was like, if a play comes up, if an opportunity for a play comes up, I want to go to the audition. Cause I had stopped auditioning for the most part. Um, and I went in and I did this audition for this play and I, and I booked it and it happened. And that was the thing that brought me back into the theater community. Cause from there came 
um, the opportunity to do a classic show. I did a production of Carousel in D.C. at Arena Stages, which I was like, someone hired me to do Rodgers and Hammerstein? Sure, yeah, I'll go do that. <laughs> and so I went and did that. And then while I was there is when the Mean Girls process started. And I my auditions for Mean Girls started, and then I booked that, and now here we are. We're happy it worked out that way. <laughs> and we hope you're here to stay. And I think it's really cool, especially since, you know, you have that degree. You can, you know, it's something that you could do simultaneously together and still kind of Yeah, and it's something that, I mean, when when the time comes for me to leave Mean Girls, I would love to pursue that further. And I have this dream of creating this little business. I, I have an Instagram. You can follow me right now. It's not very exciting, but I do have it. Um, called Broadway Wino, and I want to I wanna be able to do some more work with that eventually, just teaching people about those who drink wine, what is in it, so that you can know what you're consuming, because... What if you pair it with a choreography lesson? What if you do the choreography and I talk about the wine? <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of, of pairing Broadway shows with wine or like Broadway songs with wine and that kind of stuff. If we're if we're going to dance, we're going to have to get we're going to have to enlist some help. Mm-hmm. But I can sing and and drink wine at the same time. Okay. Or Broadway shows and Aroldis Chapman. Which I think that market's cornered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got it on lockdown. Oh yeah. Now um before we wrap our time together, we do a little segment to wrap every show. It's called Fastball Derby. Oh god. All right. Mm-hmm. I want you to envision yourself, and then it's the ninth inning. Okay. Bases are loaded, two outs. You got to get home that winning run. You might we- even be facing a roll to Chapman, not to scare you too much, but is he carrying the burn book? Yes. Currently, okay. Yes. Or a Always. broom. It depends. Is he doing <laughs> wicked <laughs> tonight? <laughs> you're right. You're right. It really. It's either a broom or the burn book. The he might have both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I say, Alan, you down to alternate questions with us? Sure. Cool. Is it in the script? <laughs> yes, it's. <laughs> you blew our cover bad tonight, Kate. Damn it! <laughs> I didn't blow it. Chris blew it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I mean, hey. All right. You know what? I'll start. Okay. Favorite New York City meal? Pizza. You're a certified wine expert. If you could drink one wine for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm, Burgundy. That's so boring, but it's true. What's the thing you miss the most about Cincinnati? God, I'm so sorry. I'm going to say this, but La Rosa's pizza. <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. Wow. Wait a second. You miss yeah, a certain Ohio pizza? Yes. And you live in New York? Yes. It's different. It's not better. It's not better. But lo- they have a specific, they have a weird, like, sweet sauce. And it is so good. And they make calzones better. Their calzones are the best ones I've ever had. That's still true in New York. They make calzones. I don't know why. They're so yummy. Fighting words over here. I know. <laughs> But I am a New York pizza per like New York pizza is better than okay. Ohio pizza. It's All better right. than La Rosa's pizza, but I miss it. It's the thing mm. I can't get here. Mm. Uh, the other opposite, the other answer is Grater's ice cream, but that's that's what everybody from Cincinnati would say. Favorite baseball player. <laughs> 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 There's an obvious I choice know, after tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll go with Chapman. I still can't say his first name because it's a combination of two names that I keep bringing through my brain, but neither one of them is right. <laughs> It's Araldis. <laughs> which, okay. is, which is Adonis and like Adolfo that together. That makes me think of Adonis DNA with Charlie Sheehan. That's literally, that. I was like, I'm literally, I can think of those two names. Neither one is right. And I can't remember how they go together every Adonis. time. Mm. Just think like, well, I never heard Adolfo, of any Adonis like who could throw 105 miles per hour. I so. feel like if you are an Adonis, the whole point is that you should be able to throw a ball that fast. Fair yeah, enough. You've got those muscles, man. That's, 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 that's what the, that's what else do you do with those muscles? Yeah. Right. 
All right. Fast name. All right. Actor or actress you've learned the most from? Oh, my God. I'm going to say Jen Samard right now. Jen Samard. Good one. We saw her in Disaster, Chris. Oh, yeah. You're going to see her in the company revival. It's coming up. She just left us for the company revival. What is your all-time favorite film? Whoa. That's a big question. All-time favorite. It's hard, right? I mean, I hate saying this is not a plug, but I you probably would have said Mean Girls before. Honestly, I would have said that. Um, wow. I know because I love it so. I loved that movie so much. I am gonna say Shawshank Redemption. Good choice. Proudest moment of your career. Whoa, that's another one. Proudest moment. Um, watching a high school. It, is a, it wasn't one particular high school, but a high school group um, do a production of Bring It On about two years after we closed. And watching somebody else do the show that we had created, having no connection to it at all, watching kids do it, I think that's probably it. I sobbed through the entire two and a half hour production. <laughs> wow. All right. Do I get the final one? Yeah, you wrap it up for this. All right. Lastly, best piece of advice anyone ever gave you, and what was it? Um, this was given to me in college. Um, I don't actually know who told it to me. I don't remember where I heard it. And, but it is the piece of advice that I give all the time now because it's the thing that saves me all still. Like it's the thing that I have to remind myself a lot, which is you can never be anybody else. You can only be yourself because there are a lot of people who tell you you're a young so-and-so or you're just like so-and-so or do you know this person's work because you should be so good at that. And especially when you're young, you start thinking like, oh, well, I will be the next. I'm going to use her name because it's not a good example for me. I'm going to be the next Kelly O'Hara, right? No, I'm not. Kelly O'Hara is going to be the one that's going to be Kelly O'Hara all the time. If anyone wants to hire Kelly O'Hara, they're going to hire Kelly O'Hara. They're not going to hire me. I don't need to be Kelly O'Hara because the world already has one of those. What the world doesn't have is another one of me. And I can tell stories in a way that nobody else can tell stories. And that's valuable and interesting. And people want to hear them as long as you are comfortable telling them like yourself. And it's one of the things that, because I, I have never seemed to fit in a great box. I've always been like, oh, you're in between the two girls in Wicked. Oh, and you're in between the two girls in Wonderful Town. And you're in, be- there's always that for me. That's been my feedback my, enchi- my entire career. And Rather than keep trying to force myself into one box or the other, are you a Glinda or are you an Alphaba? You can just be you, and maybe you won't do Wicked. <laughs> oh my God, one of the few blonde girls in New York City who hasn't done Wicked, but maybe you won't do Wicked, <laughs> but you will do other things, and they will be interesting, and they will be you, and that's okay, rather than trying to force yourself into somebody else's shoes. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Really cool. Kate, you've been awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having so me. much for coming on. Yeah, I have to say, this podcast is particularly unique because it is unusual to sit around a table with three straight dudes talking about baseball <laughs> and also talk about Broadway. <laughs> that is a rarity in this neighborhood, actually. That is uh, pretty that much is one of a kind show over here. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I love it. Well, we were happy to have you. And, um, you know, for the folks at home, we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you liked what you heard, feel free to subscribe to Break a Bat wherever you get your podcasts. This is Al Malafrante signing off with Kate Rockwell. Yo, bye guys. Thanks for listening. Alan Seals. Yeah. Not again. <laughs> it was so that much more consistent this time. It was so much more structured. Yeah. <laughs> we got a new running gag on Breaker Bad. And lastly, Chris Katzman. Thanks for listening, folks. 
All right, it's been a pleasure, everyone. That'll close out the ball game. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor, and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.